0: The gospel lesson for this fifth Sunday after Easter comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 16, verses 12 through 22. And in this gospel lesson, Jesus teaches his disciples about real joy and where he must go to get it for us. Please stand again as you are able for the gospel. You can find this reading, if you would like to, on page 765 of the Pew Bible, from John 16, beginning at verse 12, All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this why you are asking yourselves what I meant by saying, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish, for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Therefore, we have joy. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He has entered into his joy, and he shares that joy with you, his disciples. Joy is uh, different than happiness, or at least the kind of joy that we're talking about today is different. In my mind, there's a difference between the words. Happy people do not necessarily have joy. And joyful people don't have to be happy all of the time. Joy transcends our feelings. You can have joy even when you don't feel it. Joy is less subjective than happiness. It's more objective. What I mean by that is that joy is not subject to the way you feel. And it does not depend on your momentary circumstances. Now that doesn't mean that joy is completely independent of our emotions. Sometimes we do feel joy. We should. Sometimes, though we don't all the time. When we do experience joy, it's much deeper and stronger than happiness. Joy can remain even when we're not experiencing it. It does not come and go. Happiness comes and go. You can go from sad to happy when you hear a funny joke, but then that joke can also make you spill your coffee and you go right back to being sad again. Happiness is just a feeling. But joy, or at least the way I'm trying to think of it and describe it here this morning, joy is grounded in something. You don't just have joy for no reason. When you have joy, you have joy in something. And in this way, joy is kind of like, and it's connected to hope. You hope in something outside of yourself, and the success of that thing gives you joy. The Christian's joy is in Jesus Christ, particularly that he died and rose again. And this is why our joy does not come and go. It is grounded in something that does not change. Jesus died, Jesus is risen, and Jesus is alive forever. His resurrection cannot be undone or taken away. Therefore, our joy cannot be taken from us. Even when our hearts are distracted by the momentary circumstances of this world, Our joy is in Jesus, and so it remains. And those momentary distractions, they might even deserve our attention. Many of them do. When someone that God has given us to love experiences illness, death, or some other kind of pain, we have sorrow. And this is right. We should grieve with them. We should share in the grief of those we love. But our joy in Jesus still remains, and that joy can carry us through the sorrow and even give meaning to that sorrow. The joy of Jesus never ends, even when we go through sorrow. In this gospel lesson, Jesus promises this kind of joy to his disciples. He tells them that no one will ever be able to take it away. He spoke these words to them on the evening before his crucifixion one of his disciples, had already left to betray him. And so Jesus' death was now imminent. It was coming quickly. And so Jesus said to the eleven who remained, a little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Now, this is a critical statement in this text. Whenever something is repeated, that's a clue to us that it's important. And this gets repeated two more times as the disciples try to figure out what in the world Jesus is talking about. They connected this statement with another thing Jesus had said to them that night. He told them that he was going to the Father. And so Jesus is going away, and he is going to the Father, but it won't be long. So what is Jesus talking about? The disciples were confused. I suppose they were confused because how is he going to the father? And if it's only going to be a little while, why would they be so sad that they weep and lament? And they are confused. We might still be confused about it, unless you listen to the children's sermon. (laughs) There are two events that come to mind that Jesus might be speaking of. Is he talking about his death and resurrection? Is that the little while he's talking about, or is he talking about his ascension 40 days later and his return on the last day? Since we're getting further along in the Easter season and closer to Ascension Day, it's uh, Thursday after this Thursday, so like 10 or 11 days away, we might think that Jesus is talking about that. Maybe that's why this text is appointed for today. And people have wondered about this and even spilt some ink over it, but the answer is really quite simple. Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection. And this is obvious for two basic reasons. First, Jesus spoke these words on the evening before his crucifixion. The timing is important here. For a few days, the disciples would not see Jesus. They would weep and lament because he was dead. And they thought he was dead for good. But in just a few days, Jesus would rise from the dead and they would see him again. After this, they had a joy that no one could ever take away. And second, this doesn't really fit with Jesus' ascension, because even though they did not see Jesus any longer with their eyes when he ascended into heaven, they did not weep and lament at this event. In fact, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. That's what we learned from Luke chapter 24. They were not sad when Jesus ascended into heaven. The exact opposite was true. They were quite joyful about it. Sometimes we get thrown off by Jesus' statement that he's going to the Father. And this is the part that makes it seem like he's talking about his ascension. But Jesus, we don't think about this quite as much, but Jesus also went to the father after his crucifixion. The letter to the Hebrews talks about this in chapter nine. He appeared before the father to offer his blood as the once for all sacrifice for sin. That's what he went to the father to do. We don't think about this event as much. When we think about the time between Jesus' death and resurrection, what do we think about? We usually think about his descent into hell. And I suppose that's because we confess that in the creed. And so we're more familiar with that event. But neither the creed nor scripture tell us how long Jesus spent in hell. It didn't have to be the entire time. And in fact, it could not have been the entire time he was dead because Jesus also went to the Father to present his blood as the once-for-all sacrifice for sin. And then, having secured our redemption, he returns to his disciples He appears to them on the evening of his resurrection, and he bestows the Holy Spirit on them. And that's the return that gives them great joy. And so Jesus is talking about going away to the Father by way of his cross to secure our eternal redemption. And this is how he prepares a place for you in his Father's house. And this is how he also sends the Holy Spirit to us now. In order for us to receive the Holy Spirit, without being destroyed by God's holiness, we must first be cleansed of our sins. Every benefit that we have as Christians is a direct result of Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so Jesus' disciples, they did not understand this at the time, but in just a few days they would. If Jesus is only going to be gone for a little while, why would they weep and lament? You don't weep and lament when someone goes away for just a little while, usually. You think about how, well, maybe your mom goes to the grocery store. You don't weep and lament. If you're like me, you just say, buy ice cream. (laughs) And you don't worry because she'll be back soon. And so why would the disciples weep and lament when Jesus goes away? It's because his brief departure looks a lot more permanent. He departs through the cross. He actually dies. This, for all the world, looks permanent. The world thinks they have killed the Christ, and so the world rejoices. It's kind of messed up. The disciples think they have lost their God in Christ, and so they weep and lament. But on the third day, their sorrow is turned to joy. Jesus rises from the dead with forgiveness and life for all who believe in him. Never will he die again. Jesus compares this to a mother giving birth. When a woman is giving birth, this is what Jesus says, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. When the anguish is over and the child is born, there is incredible joy. But notice this, and this is is why the analogy comparing it to giving birth is uh, helpful to us. The mother isn't happy just because the pain is over. I'm sure she appreciates that, that the pain is subsiding, but there's much more to rejoice over. She's filled with joy because a child is born. It's not just that the pain has subsided. Who cares about that anymore? She rejoices because her pain has resulted in something marvelous. Her suffering gives way to life. It's not just life as usual anymore, it is much better. Jesus compares this to what the disciples will go through with his death and resurrection. For a few days, their God and Christ is dead, and this is the worst. They have deep sorrow, and it seems that nothing can make it better. But then Jesus appears, and they are filled with joy. And their joy is about much more than the mere fact that he's not dead anymore. The greatest joy is what his death accomplished. They rejoice, and we rejoice, because the greatest pain has resulted in the greatest good. Just like that newborn baby, they rejoice because something new and something better is now here. It's not just about Jesus not being dead anymore. It's about what his death accomplished. It's not just life as usual anymore. It is much better. His death has made atonement for sins. It has granted new life, eternal life. And because Jesus' blood cleanses us from all sins, he now sends his Holy Spirit upon us. This Holy Spirit is our teacher. He takes what is Christ's and declares it to us. For the apostles, this meant that he would inspire them to write portions of scripture. For us, it means that the Holy Spirit takes those very same words of scripture and teaches them to us, not merely to our minds, but also to our hearts, so that we might might know and experience this joy that Jesus is talking about. And so that's the joy that we have through Jesus' resurrection, This is an immovable joy. It cannot be displaced by the momentary distractions of life. It cannot be overruled by our feelings. We may still go through times of deep sorrow. We do. We might just sometimes go through seasons of numbness. And yet, this joy remains. And we look forward to the day when we will finally experience its fullness. For now, we experience it in part. We want to experience it more. We should want to experience it more. How do we do that? We experience it more when we meditate on the word of God, especially concerning forgiveness and salvation in Jesus. And we experience this joy when we confess our sin and receive forgiveness. And this is why we have confession and absolution every Sunday. Now, you might think, we might think, if we want to have a joyful service, we should just leave out all that stuff about how miserable and rotten we are, right? That's not really true. Sometimes the greatest joy comes out of sorrow, and confession and absolution is one of those sometimes. When we confess our sin, we enter into sorrow on purpose, and that sorrow is turned to joy at the announcement of forgiveness. And this is part of why we take a moment of silence to reflect on our sin. When we confess our sins together, we should actually be thinking about specific sins, even if we don't name them out loud for everyone around us to hear. And when we hear God's word of forgiveness, we can also be thinking about those same specific sins, not with sorrow, but with joy. Because those sins, along with many others, are truly forgiven. Now, we might be tempted to just ignore our sin. We try to just forget about it and move on. We should not do this. For one thing, we would be despising repentance, and that would leave us in a precarious position with God. We would also be cutting ourselves off from the experience of real joy. Forgiveness doesn't mean much if you don't know what you're being forgiven of. The greatest joy comes out of sorrow. For Jesus, too, his joy comes out of the deepest sorrow. The joy of Jesus' resurrection is not simply that he's alive. If that's all we need, then he could have just not died. And if all Jesus wanted was to not be dead, he could have avoided the cross. But Jesus desired more than simply not being dead. He desired to bring you out of death with him. This is his greatest joy. It's not the fact that he's alive, although I'm sure he's happy about that. Jesus' greatest joy is that his resurrection gives life to you. And so the cause of his joy is not simply that he's alive, but that he's alive again. The only thing better than a living Jesus is a Jesus who once was dead and is alive again. Because having passed through the greatest possible sorrow, he earned forgiveness and life for you. And this is the greatest possible joy. And it is Jesus' great delight to give you this joy. Our sorrow became his sorrow and his joy has now become our joy. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.